I would ask you to turn to Ephesians, and you can go ahead and turn to Ephesians, but I want to share a couple of other scriptures with you this morning uh, just to set the message in context. Uh, The first scripture I want to share with you is in John chapter 16. So if you've uh, first time here today, or maybe you haven't been here in a time, let me just quickly introduce what we're talking about. Uh, We're in a series. We're studying the book of Ephesians verse by verse. And the series is entitled, Who Do You Think You Are? Because who you are determines how you live. Who you are determines how you think. How you think determines your attitude. Your thinking and your attitudes determine your actions. If you don't know who you are, you're a confused mess. But if you know who you are, and especially know as a Christian who you are in the Lord Jesus Christ, that will completely and totally redirect your life and give you purpose. Give you purpose and help you live out the life that God has created for you to live out. But let me say this, even when we know absolutely who we are and whose we are, that prescription for a perfect life. That is not a prescription for a trouble-free life. That is not a guarantee that everything in life is going to go the way you want it to go, and every day is going to be a rosy, bright, sunshiny day. As a matter of fact, If you're a Bible believer, and if you're a Bible believer, shout amen this morning. If you're a Bible believer, then you know just the opposite is true. I don't know what your life was like before you came to Christ, but after you come to Christ, all the trouble has just began. Brother Steve, I've never heard a preacher say that before. You need to change radio stations. You need to change TV stations. You you need to listen to somebody that's not afraid to preach you the truth. Brother Steve, why would you say something like that? You'll scare people off. No, no I won't. People are begotten by the Word of God and people want to know the truth and people deserve to know the truth. Christians are going to live trouble-filled lives as long as they're breathing air on planet Earth. Brother Steve, where do you come up with that, Jesus? You need a better source than Jesus? John chapter 16. Today we're going to be looking at God's purpose for affliction. God's purpose for the afflictions we face in life. We're going to be studying Ephesians 3, 1 through 13. But I want to set this in context for you. Beginning in John 16, verse 33. Jesus said, I have said these things to you. Who's doing the speaking here? Jesus doing the speaking. Jesus says, I have said these things to you. Now get this, there's some verbiage here that Paul mirrors all throughout the book of Ephesians. What's the very next two words Jesus uses? In me. Jesus said, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. Now, folks, this is kind of a catch-22. It's kind of an oxymoron. It it, it has a double meaning here. When God saves us, we continue to live on planet Earth. But now we're living concurrent lives side by side. We are in Christ, yet we're still in the world. We're in Jesus Christ. We're safely in Christ Jesus. We know that our final destination is heaven, but we've still got a race to run down here before we get there. But even though we're still in the world, we're in Jesus Christ. And and as we are in Jesus Christ, he says this, in the world you will have tribulation. Now do you understand that? Jesus didn't say, you know, occasionally some of you believers, you might have a bad day, but overall it's going to be sunshine and fruit loops. No. No. Jesus is matter of fact here. Jesus says, in me, you will have peace. Knowing whose we are and knowing who we are in the Lord Jesus Christ gives us as believers perfect peace in the midst of tribulation. We're living in very difficult times on planet earth right now, aren't we? 
The question is, but are you living in peace in the Lord Jesus Christ? I am. I'm not worried. I'm not tore up. I'm not discouraged. Listen, I'm not even trying to figure it out. Because it's not my business to figure it out. My business is to be in Christ and be at peace and live in peace with Almighty God and be a light to a world full of trouble and be a light to those around me who are losing their minds because they don't know who they are. Jesus said, I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But take heart. Say, take heart. Paul's going to say those same words today, but take heart. I have overcome the world. I am today safely in the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus has already overcome the world. And Jesus is already home in glory. And because I'm in Him, it's just a matter of time that I am where He is. And in the meantime, I'm at peace because He says I'm at peace. Then in the letter to the Corinthians, Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, chapter 1, verses 3 through 7, Listen closely, we're talking about God's purpose for affliction. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and God of, say that with me, all comfort. Comfort and peace goes together. Comfort and peace goes together. The God of our Father, the God our God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our affliction. How much of our affliction? In all of our affliction, God comforts us. Why does He do this? Because He's a loving Father. But there's more than just one accomplishment. When when, when we face affliction... God comforts us, and it's not just for our comfort, because to be like God is to give others what God gives us. Look, so that we may be able to comfort those in any affliction. With the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. See, God gave me Jesus, and God wants me to give you Jesus. And God has given me peace and God wants me to give you peace. And God has given me comfort and God wants me to share that comfort with you. Now, I don't have a Jesus that God doesn't have. See, the Jesus I'm to share with you is the Jesus that God has revealed to me. And and this world can give me no peace and there's no peace outside of God. And the only peace I can give you is the peace that God has already given me in the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's no comfort to be had on this side of eternity, but the same comfort that God comforts me with, he wants, to share, he wants me to share that comfort with you. For as we share abundantly, say abundantly, for as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, hold, hold, hold on, preacher. You cannot say affliction and suffering and comfort in the same sentence. That just doesn't make any sense. Not to the world, it doesn't. Not to the carnal mind, it doesn't. But for those in the Lord Jesus Christ, we know that Christ has already told us, in this world you will have tribulation. You're going to have tribulation. What is tribulation? It's distress. It's hardship. It's misery. It's misfortune. It's pain. It's suffering. It's trouble. I wish somebody had told me that before I signed up for this Jesus stuff. It's been here for about 2,000 years. You got a copy? It's your job to know it. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort. It's hard to swallow, ain't it? And we haven't even gotten to the text yet. It is for your comfort and salvation. Folks get saved because we suffer. Did you know that? 
Folks can only get saved because Jesus did suffer and bleed and die. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you, say this with me, patiently endure. Church, listen to me. Quit you yapping. Quit you complaining. Quit trying to figure it all out. Quit trying to put it all in place. Quit trying to make sense of it all. Just be in Christ. And know before long we're going to be home with Jesus. And all this will just be a blur. In the meantime, patiently endure the same sufferings that all the saints are going to suffer. They're inescapable. They're inescapable. Showed the video about hope this morning. The name of our fellowship is Hope in Christ. Wow, we live in a world today that is so void of hope, don't we? I'm thankful for hope today. Our hope for you is unshaken. Why? Because in Christ there's peace. And in affliction there's comfort. And in suffering there's comfort and there's joy. For we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort that the Father gives us. So we do not lose heart. We do not lose heart. Now listen, this, this is God's prescription for life. You got this? Though our outer self, everybody do this. That's your outer self, just in case you forgot. Though our outer self, nobody said 55 would feel like this. Nobody said it. Nobody said it. I thought maybe 65. I didn't know 55 felt like this. Though our outer self is wasting away. It's dying. It's disintegrating right in front of our faces. But guess what? Our inner self, mm, our inner self that is full of joy and full of peace is being renewed every day. Every day. Wow. Listen, listen, for this light, say light, that's the opposite of weighty, it's the opposite of heavy, this light momentary, temporary affliction, it has a purpose, God's purpose for affliction, for this light momentary affliction, it's doing a work, it has a purpose, it's preparing us for an eternal weight of glory. You see how he went from light to heavy? This light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternity with God that is so heavy he has to he has to take this body and make it a brand new body or the weight of the glory would absolutely destroy us. Because it's beyond all comparison. What's waiting on us there cannot be compared to this light affliction that's preparing us as we're being renewed day by day by day by day. Why? Say why. I would say that why is the most often asked question of all time. Pastor Steve, why did my spouse leave me? Pastor Steve, why why did I get cancer? Pastor Steve, why did our unborn baby die? Pastor Steve, why? Let me just say this. After 
55 years of life and 28 years of ministry, I feel your pain. And I understand the pain that is associated with the question why, because I have a lot of why questions myself. And as I've said for many years, it's okay to ask God questions. It's just not okay to question God. And there's a difference. God is perfectly okay with you saying why. Just don't question God. For God so loved you that he gave us Jesus to die for you. So don't question God, but ask God why. But in light of these scriptures, and in light of all scriptures, what if we were to change that to a different question? Instead of asking why, what if we started asking who? Say who. Who is Jesus? Who am I? Who am I in Jesus? That'll fix a lot of whys, won't it? That will fix a lot of whys. Our afflictions don't establish our identity in Christ, but our identity in Christ will carry us through all of our afflictions. Can I say that again? Our afflictions... Don't establish our identity in Christ, but our identity in Christ will always sustain us through all of our afflictions. Who is Jesus? Who am I? Who am I in Jesus? Here's a fact. Nobody on planet Earth has the answers to all the whys. But Jesus does. And when we get home, I promise you this, Jesus will take the time to sit down with each and every one of us and he'll explain all of the whys. He'll explain every one of them. In the meantime, let's trust him. In the meantime, let's trust him. And let's practice asking, who am I in Christ versus why? Let's pray. Father in heaven, what a, what a Lord's day you've blessed us with. God, we're thankful for what you're doing in every mind and we're thankful for what you're doing in every heart. And God, we're thankful for faces in this room that we've not seen in some time. We're thankful, dear God, today for those watching by live stream and those that will even watch at a later date. And God, we just celebrate you and your son Jesus and your love for us. And Father, would you today give us eyes to see and ears to hear, minds to comprehend and understand, and hearts to follow. Continue to do what you can do, only you can do today, Father. In the mighty and powerful name of Jesus, we pray. And all God's people said, so now turn to Ephesians chapter 3. We are beginning chapter 3 today. Ephesians has six chapters. We're almost halfway through this book In Ephesians chapter 3, Paul, the Apostle Paul wants to teach us three things uh, about our afflictions. If you're a child of God, shout amen this morning. Then you know all about afflictions, don't you? And you're going to continue to know about afflictions as long as we're living on planet earth. The first thing Paul wants us to realize and take note of today is we are afflicted for the good of others. We are afflicted for the good of others. You know this this morning. You've experienced this. Sadly, one of the first things that happens when we're suffering personally is we develop tunnel vision. We develop tunnel vision and we start focused on our own sufferings and we forget about those around us that they're suffering too. Want to guess where Paul is as he's writing this letter? He's under house arrest. He's under house arrest. Not not because he's done anything wrong, but simply because he will not stop telling other people about Jesus. 
Paul's under house arrest. He's suffering. He's once again separated from his people. But guess what? His focus remains on others. His focus remains on others. Ephesians 3, 1 through 3. Paul says, for this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles. His focus is on others. I'm a prisoner. I'm a prisoner because I can't shut up about Jesus. And that's okay. Paul says, that's okay. I'm I'm under house arrest. I'm suffering. I'm separated. But it's all good because I'm doing this for you. Assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of the of God's grace that was given to me for you. How the mystery was made known to me by revelation as I have written briefly. Paul is establishing that his suffering, Paul is establishing that his affliction is on purpose and that it's full of God's purposes. Four through six. Paul says, when you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, in previous generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs. Up until this point, until the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, until post-Pentecost, After the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came, the gospel begins to be preached, and Gentiles begin hearing the gospel and believing and being saved and being filled with the Holy Spirit, and the Jews are saying, What? I thought we were the chosen people. Well, you're phase one. Here comes phase two. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. This has been a mystery up until now. And Paul says, now I know the secret and the secret is out. God has says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. This mystery is that Gentiles are fellow heirs with us. Woo! And the Jews are saying, And it's a mess. Members of the same body. When Paul says in Christ, he's saying red, yellow, black, and white, they're all precious in his sight. If you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, it's one body, it's Jesus. And partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus. How? Through the gospel. Through the good news. Through the good news. So here's what Paul is saying. Paul's saying, I'm a prisoner. On what day of your life do you wake up and say, Whoa, I'm a prisoner. Every day if you know Jesus, especially if you're being accused of being a Jesus freak. If that's all they can pin on you, then shout glory, you're a prisoner for Jesus Christ. Paul says, I'm a prisoner for Christ. I'm under house arrest because I love and serve Jesus And because I want everybody to know about him, because I want everybody to have their sins forgiven, because I want everybody to have everlasting life. Especially you Gentiles. Surprise, you're welcome to come with us. And folks, listen. To understand our own suffering, We have to understand this. How many Christians in here have suffered since you've come to know Jesus? Yeah. And you're going to continue to. And here's what I I need you to know today. It's on purpose. It's on purpose. And it's for a purpose. And it's for a purpose. Before coming to Christ, Paul hated the Gentiles. Paul hated 
the Gentiles. These, these are the non-Jews that we talked about last week. Paul had no compassion. God had, uh, uh, Paul, Saul had no sympathy toward those who, who didn't share in his cultural, his racial, or his religious heritage. He cared nothing about these people. He called them dogs. He called them dogs. But then suddenly, he's on his way to Damascus to kill some more dogs, to kill some more Gentiles, to imprison some more Gentiles. And guess who he meets on the way? Abruptly out of nowhere, a bright light shines. It's Jesus showing up. It knocks Paul to the ground. And in my own words, paraphrasing, Paul, it's me. Listen up. You ain't Saul no more, you're Paul. You don't hate these folks no more, you love them. And you're going to spend the rest of your life suffering for me, preaching about me, so the world can be saved. And Paul said, yes sir, let's go. And he spends the rest of his short life Suffering for the cause of Christ, for the glory of God, and the benefit of others. And why do you, and why do I think our life should be any different? Because Paul is the model Christian. We need to understand this. Paul says, I'm afflicted because I want all people to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. He said, because for many Jesus is still a mystery. And their blinded eyes need to be opened. And their dead hearts need to be awakened. They need to come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior as I have come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. They've never heard of Him, therefore they can't know Him. And I've got to tell them. Folks, is that amount of urgency anywhere in your heart and in your life? People need to know about Jesus. For them, he said, it's still a mystery. They don't know him. They've never met him. They don't understand him. Now get this. Here's what Paul is saying. Paul is saying, I'm a prisoner because I want people to come to know Jesus. And my suffering is an opportunity. Say opportunity. Paul is afflicted. You've been afflicted. Why have you been afflicted? Because it's an opportunity for others to come to know Jesus Christ. Sink in for just a minute. Most, if not all, of those why questions you keep asking God is God trying to get your attention to let you know that life on earth is not all about you. That it's about you sharing your faith with others so they can come to know Jesus so we can all go home and be with Him one day after a while. Here's the chatter. Have you heard about that pastor that got arrested? He just won't shut up about Jesus. He's got a few nuts loose in the head. They've told him and they've told him and they've told him and they've told him. And he just won't shut up about Jesus. So guess what they did? They arrested him. And now he's under house arrest. And it's just buzzing throughout the community. And guess what that's created? An opportunity for the spotlight to be on the Apostle Paul. And guess what the Apostle Paul is going to say when the spotlight is on the Apostle Paul? Have you heard about Jesus? Suddenly people are paying attention to him. Right? Well, I heard he believes this man Jesus claims to be God. He seems to think that we're all sinners in need of a Savior. Rumor has it that this man Jesus died on the cross, was buried, and three days later was resurrected from the dead. He's ascended back to heaven. And on the last day, he's going to judge both the living and the dead. And he calls all men everywhere to repent. It doesn't matter what race or creed or tongue or tribe. 
you must surrender your life to Jesus Christ. So, so Paul's goal is to do what? Tell as many people about the Lord Jesus Christ. Question. Question, church. Now take this, get this, get this. Why am I suffering? Am I being afflicted? Because you're a Christian. Because you're in Christ Jesus and your affliction is on purpose and it has a higher purpose. And the first purpose is so other people can come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. When you put it in that perspective, you're like, okay. Okay. I'm not asking you to like it. I'm asking you to understand it. I'm asking you to understand it. How can you use your afflictions to introduce those who don't know Jesus, those that, those that are far from God? How can you use the difficult times in life to introduce those people to Jesus? And how can you help those who are already in Christ, your afflictions, grow in the Lord Jesus Christ? See, here's what you can do with your afflictions. You can either invest them or you can waste them. What if all your afflictions are just afflictions and they do no good and they're just wasted? Are you enjoying that? You can invest it or you can waste it. You can invest it or you can waste it. When you're suffering as a Christian, that's when you have the most credibility with those around you. Your afflictions cost you a lot, don't they? Hmm? Afflictions are costly. They're going to take a lot of your time. They're going to take a lot of your energy. They're going to consume your life. So let's not waste them. Let's not waste them. What's Paul doing? Paul is sitting at home under house arrest and he's writing letters. He's writing letters telling everybody, God loves you. Jesus died for you. Jesus wants to save you. Paul is under affliction and Paul is not wasting it. Paul is investing it. I believe with all of my heart, this is what Jesus was talking about when Jesus said, take up your cross. What's pleasant about taking up a cross? What happens at the end of the road when you're carrying a cross? crucifixion. Nobody carries a cross for fun. When Jesus said, take up your cross, he said, hey Jim, you're going to die. And from point A to point B, it's going to be pure misery. But people are watching. And in your affliction, make a difference. Make a difference. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 11, Jesus said, come to me. Come to me. All who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and do what? Learn from me. The Christian life is not the American life. The Christian life is not the Western cultured life. The Christian life is the Christ-like life. And I would just invite you this morning to take your life and compare it to the life of Christ and see how many similarities they are. Because Jesus said, Take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Listen to what he says, My yoke is easy. And my burden is light. And you're thinking, no, it's not. No, it's not. Take, take up my cross and follow you to a crucifixion and die daily and be afflicted and be made fun of and be unpopular and, and, and go through everything that you went through, Jesus. That is an easy yoke. That is a light burden. Yeah, because when you're in Christ, Christ is bearing all the weight. Christ is bearing all the weight and you're, you're living in peace. 
See, Jesus came down from heaven to earth. And while he was here, he experienced affliction. He experienced pain. He experienced poverty. He experienced rejection. And ultimately, he was put to death. So the good news is, he's been where we've been. He's gone through what we're going through. And he conquered hell, death, and sin, and he endured the full wrath of God for you and I. And now he's alive. And now he's alive. And now he's alive. I hope you're alive. Now he's alive. And he's present. And he's helping us. And he's the burden bearer. He's the way maker. And he's sending us out to tell others about him. Number one, our affliction is for the benefit of others. Number two, we're afflicted for our own growth. Afflictions grow me spiritually. Afflictions cause me to become more spiritually mature. Because it's in my time of affliction, it's in my time of suffering, it's in my hardships that I realize I can't do this. But He already did this. And I'm in Him. And His yoke is easy. And His burden is light. And yes, I can in Jesus Christ. And I learned to trust Him more. And I learned to pray more. And I learned to have faith. And my hope is restored. We're afflicted for our own growth. So we can help others and we can continue to grow and mature ourselves. Verses 7 through 9. Paul says, Of this gospel I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace which was given me by the working of His power. So Paul is saying that it's by God's grace and the power of the Lord Jesus Christ that I am who I am, I'm able to do what I do, I'm able to be sustained through all of my hardships and all of my afflictions, and the bottom line is, I'm doing this for others, that they can come to know Jesus, but at the same time, simultaneously, I'm growing and maturing to be more like Jesus Christ. Remember what Jesus said? Come follow me. Learn from me. Become like me. When people see you, they think they're looking at Jesus. When people hear you, they think they're hearing Jesus. When people experience you, they are experiencing Jesus. We're afflicted for our own growth. And of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the power of the working of His power to me. Now listen to this humility. Though I am the very least of all the saints, This grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. And to bring to light for everyone, say everyone, what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. Again, we see that Paul is suffering, but he's ministering. And he's growing. Anybody in here arrived yet? Anybody in here still growing? It's a lifelong process, isn't it? Growing to be less like ourselves and growing to be more like Jesus. He says, I minister by the grace of God. Again, we see Paul, who when he was Saul, I believe had... Very little humility. He, he knew nothing much of humility at all. But when he met Jesus that day on the road to Damascus, and Jesus struck him blind and knocked him to the ground and redeemed him, he made Saul a brand new name and began calling him Paul. And Paul was a brand new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things had passed away. Behold, all things become new. And now Paul says, hey, it's not about me. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. He's not boasting. He says, my ministry is by the grace of God. We see him growing. We see him maturing. He says, and everything I do, everything I do is because of the power of Almighty God. The power 
of the Lord Jesus Christ. Think of the number of churches he's planted. Know that he wrote about two-thirds of the New Testament. Now, if anybody's got some bragging rights, Paul has some bragging rights, but Paul ain't bragging. Paul is saying, I'm the least of all the saints. And it's only by God's grace and it's only by God's power that everything is happening that is happening. He says, I'm the least of the saints. He's growing. Say growing. He's maturing. Say maturing. Because of his afflictions. Don't waste your afflictions. Don't waste your afflictions. He said to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. He's saying ultimately, God does all these things And the reason that God grows us is not just so we become more mature, but so other people can come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. He says this is the point. To bring to light. Say light. To bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Paul is saying is this, I'm suffering, but I'm growing. I'm suffering, but I'm growing. And that's amazing because I get to tell more people about Jesus. What Paul learned was, hey, when everything begins to cave in around me, when everything begins to pile upon me, the more trouble I get in, the more affliction that comes upon me, the more I grow and the more people get saved. Paul says, bring it on for the glory and honor of God. Is that not similarly what Jesus Christ said on the cross of Calvary without saying it? Jesus willingly went to the cross of Calvary because he knew because of his suffering, because of his affliction, the world could be saved. And Paul is imitating Jesus and he realizes the more I suffer, the more I tell others about Jesus and the more people get saved. Paul's not wasting his affliction. Paul is investing his affliction. I know everybody in this room, we're on a first name basis, aren't we? And I know some of you all better than I know others. Many of us, many of us have Sit and cry together because we had no words to use or say. Many of us have been through some dark times together. Many of us have been through some discouraging times together. Everybody in this room has a story. Everybody in this room has many stories to tell. Some of y'all are devastated, aren't you? I've had conversations recently folks saying I won't do but I just can't. Devastating. Devastating. Some of you all just Feel like you're barely hanging on, don't you? Just barely holding on. Some of you are fighting depression, discouragement, despair. Some are on the border of hopelessness. And the last thing you want is another listening guide and five more points on how to get you through your day. How to get you through your life. But listen. Are you listening? God's purpose 
in this season of your life is to make you more like Jesus. That's why. That's why. And I'll go out on a limb here. Those of us who are a little more stubborn takes a little more pressure. Right? If one of your goals in life is to be more like Jesus, even though this is a horrible season, you know what it's going to be like in hindsight? One of the most beautiful seasons of all your life. Because you're going to look back and you're going to see how you've grown and how you've leaned on him and how he's carried you through this difficulty. Question. How can what you're going through right now help you grow spiritually, help you become more like Jesus? How can it cause you to appreciate Jesus more than you appreciate him now? Because listen, not only, and folks get this, get this. Not only was Christ afflicted for us, We did the afflicting. You afflicted him. If it wasn't for you, if it wasn't for me, he never would have had to come to planet Earth. He would have never been falsely accused. He would have never been beaten beyond recognition. His beard would not have been plucked out. They would not have spit in his face. They would not have beaten him. They would not have mocked him. They would not have pushed a crown of thorns on his head. And they certainly wouldn't have held him to the cross. You did that. I did that. We hurt him. We abandoned him. We betrayed him. We abused him, and ultimately we murdered him. And he loves us. And he loves us. And on the cross of Calvary, he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're So how can your affliction cause you to appreciate Jesus more and in turn become more like him? When you talk to honest Christians, when you talk to honest saints, here's what they say. I, I never wanted this. I would have never chosen to walk through this. I don't want anyone else to experience what I've experienced. I wouldn't trade it for anything because it's made me more like Jesus. I became more like Jesus and, and I treasure, I treasure what I've gone through because, because I've learned and I've changed and I've grown. If we keep these two things in mind, it's mind-blowing how God can use the most challenging part of our lives to be the sweetest part of our lives. It's mind-blowing how the most painful parts of our story can turn out to be the most encouraging parts of our story. So before we go to point three, let me ask you this. Paul is posing two questions so far. Paul has said, are you willing to use what you're going through to help others? Are you? 
And are you allowing your afflictions to help you grow and mature spiritually? And then the third point. So what we saw so far is affliction is for me. Affliction is for others. But guess what? I just thought about this. Just in that moment, I've come up with something. You want to hear it? It's not about you. And it's not about me. It's all about Jesus. See, affliction affliction can help me and affliction can help you, but it ain't about me, is it? It's not about you. So most importantly, our affliction is for the glory of God. The bottom line is when we suffer, that suffering brings God glory. And I know those on the outside say, that's messed up. And they do. And apart from Christ, you would think the same thing. A God who loves, afflicts his people, and then he's glorified by that? Yes. Paul says affliction can be good for you. And it can be good for others. And God can and will use even the worst things to do some beautiful things. Verse 10 through 13 will be done. So that through the church. Are you part of the church? If you're saved, you're part of the church. Are you in Christ? If you're in Christ, you're part of the church. That through the church, that through God's people, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. That's long distance. This was according, listen, I told you it's on purpose, didn't I? This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus, our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. Here's what he says. So I ask you, don't lose heart. Understand this. Know this. It's going to help you. It's going to help others. But most importantly, it's going to glorify God. Don't lose heart. Don't lose heart that I'm suffering for you, which is your glory. Now, is Paul saying, I don't want you to grieve? Is Paul saying... I don't want you to be sad? Is Paul saying, I don't want you to talk about it? Paul says, don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. Have you ever experienced someone who's lost heart? You can see it on their face, can't you? You can hear it in their words. They're no longer fighting for their marriage. They're, they're no longer fighting for their family. They're no longer fighting for their kids. They're no longer fighting for their health. They're no longer fighting for joy. They're no longer fighting for their future. They've lost heart. They're done. You know what's worse than being afflicted? Allowing that affliction to cause you to lose heart. Wasting the affliction. Did you know the number one category of prescription medications in the U.S. today is antidepressants? And those that don't have prescriptions self-medicate. America is self-medicating itself to death today. And Christians are doing the same thing. Food. That didn't grow on its own. I fed it all the way there. I tell people jokingly, but it's as serious as a heart attack. Food is my drug of choice. And I eat to deal with stress. Brother Steve, you have stress? Come here and put these on. Bring them back next week. Well, Brother Steve, you, you seem to be so easygoing. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. That's the peace I'm talking about. 
food, alcohol, illegal drugs, gambling, sex, pornography, shopping. Figure I'd get some amens right there. Extreme sports, adrenaline highs, self-medication, self-medication. Much of our life is spent trying to recover after we've lost heart, and we're looking for love in all the wrong places. And when those things fail to work, then we start looking for Motivational speakers say, some of you all are addicted to motivational speakers. You call them preachers, but they're nothing more than motivational speakers. You mean name them? I'll not do it. I'll be kind. They say the same thing. These spiritual motivational speakers, they say the same things that the worldly motivational speakers say, but they take scriptures out of context. And because they say them confidently and loudly, you'll say, okay, I'll go along with that. And their goal is nothing more than to build a crowd, Have a giant pep rally and take up a big offering. My job is not to fill you with pep. My job is to fill you with truth. My job is to fill you with the, with the Word of God. That will motivate you. Truth will motivate you when all the wheels are falling off of the bus, truth will sustain you when motivation will fail you. Folks, we've got to be honest with ourselves and we have to be honest with others so that we can get to know one another. Every person in this room, every row, every person in this room, your life is full of hurts. Yes? You've been through some dark times in life. You've been through some difficult times in life. So here's my question. Are you hiding behind those times? Or are you willing to step out from behind them and get in front of them and say, hey, guess what? I've been through some terrible, terrible times and God sustained me and God is still speaking peace into my life and what God has done for me, God will do for you. That's how affliction can be used for God's glory. God wants to take all of your messes, say my messes. God wants to take all of your messes and turn them into messages. You say, Brother see, I don't want to share that. Then you're wasting it. You suffered that for no reason. I, I, could, I could just start right over here and just go down this road. And I know stories on these people that nobody else knows. And they're horrible. And they're terrible. The same is true for this row, and the same is true for this row, and the same is true for this row, and the same is true for this row. And God says, share where you've been, share what you've gone through, and let people know that I sustained you, that I carried you through. The great I am have kept you on your feet, And share the horrible things. 
share the terrible things. But Brother Steve, then people will know who I am. Exactly, that's what I'm trying to get across to you. At the beginning of this message, I said quit asking why and start asking who. Who do you think you are? I'll tell you, Steve Looper is a mess. Say mess. That's me. Why you need? A mess. But my messes may keep you from a mess. And so I share my messages. I share my messes as messages to tell a lost and dying world, me too. Been there, done that. You, you all, you just, come on, I know it's late. But I know things about people that not everybody else knows. I know that, I know that when some people walk through those doors, it's a miracle. Those that were so high last night that it's a miracle they got here this morning. And they're a mess. And, and some of y'all say, well, how dare they come to church? How dare you say that? How dare you say that? I, I'll, I'll take a real drug addict over a phony Christian any day. <laughs> Women that have been so abused And so hurt that, that you have to be careful not to say the word father because they cringe. And I'm trying to convince them that their heavenly father is really a good father. That's who's out there. And that's why you can share what you've been through and God brought you through it. And what he did for you, he'll do for them. That's how. Your affliction glorifies God. It's no secret. And Jim, you've shared it before, haven't you? It's no secret. Do y'all love Jim McCracken? Huh? Do y'all love Jim McCracken? Bill said, as long as you love him from a distance. He's all mine. Did you know that Jim spent the biggest part of his life as an alcoholic? And you know that his family has disowned him? He and I were having this conversation in this room the other day. And I said, who wouldn't want Jim McCracken in their life? And Jim says, my family. Because the old Jim was a terrible Jim. He was a bad Jim. And he did bad things. You know what he said? okay because I'm at peace you know why he's at peace because he knows who he is in Jesus Christ he's a saint and, and, and here's what I say it doesn't matter where you've been and it doesn't matter what you've done it matters who you are in Jesus now, just like Jim ain't ashamed of his story. He's not proud of his story. But he's got a story. And his story is the story of redemption. And his story is the story of the cross of Jesus. Come unto me, all you who labor and heavy laden. I'll give you rest. Monterey, Tennessee is full. Full of peoples. Full of people whose lives are a mess. It's the only solution. In your story, your story may be the doorway that will allow you to share Jesus with them. I'm not done, but I'm done. Shall you all come on this morning? Folks, listen carefully. What I've taught you today 
is not a popular subject. And it's not what a lot of folks teach and preach. But it's the truth. All your afflictions are on purpose. And they are to serve a greater purpose. And they're for the good of others. And they're for your spiritual growth. And they're to glorify God. And if you've got OCD, be encouraged. Steve, there's three blanks. If you've got OCD, write this down. Be encouraged. I'm not coming back next week and preaching those three points. Be encouraged. Talk about it. I done said all this, but here's your blanks. And sometimes comfort is better than an answer. The God of all comfort comforts us. He doesn't always answer the whys, but he comforts us. And when we know our afflictions are on purpose for a higher purpose, just accept the comfort and go 